I just like the pictures, the babies, the yeah. animals, but Facebook all the. Me out. It does. Everybody That's... pontificates way too much. It's a lot. They're using it as like a social like trash can and I can't handle yeah, it. I just, either. I miss the pictures. So I think that's why yeah, I actually, that's so funny. You say that because there was a guy that posted some stuff on Instagram stories and I, I had it typed in this, in the, in the little comment thing, like, bro, go back to posting pictures of your kids. I'm tired of all the political stuff. Just show us pictures of your kids. So yeah, Instagram. to the Almost Apostolic Podcast. I'm your host, Anissa, and this podcast is designed to share the backstories and the testimonies of beautiful ministry-minded people. I hope you laugh, I hope you cry, and most importantly, I hope you learn that we are all striving for perfection in an imperfect world as people of faith. So join me every week as I interview a few familiar folks and hopefully some you may not know. Today, I have with me Pastor Nathan Holmes from the First Pentecostal Church of North Little Rock. Um, thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast. It's my honor. It was kind of last minute, but here we are a week later, yeah. <laughs> ready to just dive right on in. So I want to start with like a personal overview of just your life in general. Okay. Well, I'm 41 years old. I've been married to my wife, Mandy, for 19 years. We have three children, Benson. 15 years old, Beatrice, 13 years old, and Camilla, nine years old. We live in North Little Rock, Arkansas. I've lived here my entire life. My grandfather started pastoring the church that I now pastor in 1946. And so our family has had a long history here in the central Arkansas area. Okay, I did not know that. Okay. I knew the church had a history of being, is it 70 years old? It's Yeah, it's over, actually over 70 years old. Okay, yeah. oh, I didn't know it was your grandfather that started it, though. So I'm Well, not... he didn't actually start it. There were about half a dozen people here, okay. and they asked him to come. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, in essence, he did start it, but there were a few families here when he got here in the 40s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. So I have a personal saying, I like, do you know your Enneagram type number? You know what? Not off the top of my head, but yeah, mm -hmm. I've done that. Okay. Yeah. I am like type one. Everything yeah. is black and white. There mm -hmm. is no room for gray or anything new. So um, my like life's motto, I would say would be like strive for perfection and land in excellence. Yeah. So I'm like all about like the personal growth and success and everything. I wanted to know from you, what does apostolic success look like to you? Well, to me personally, apostolic success is seeing my children filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's, it's the words uh, in the New Testament that says, uh, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Right. And I guess I put my family in that with me. Um, so I think success, first of all, for me would be that my family is uh, in love with the Lord and living for God. But I think also apostolic success is the spirit of entrepreneurship. It's the spirit of the early church. They were fishermen. They were tent makers. They worked with their hands. Um, 
and they were able to promote, fund, facilitate uh, the church and the needs of the church. Paul writes over and over about uh, various needs among the, the churches at large, and, and those congregations that he would write to would step up to the plate and, and help. So I think uh, success in the apostolic sphere is not taking a backseat to secular uh, people or secular ideology. It's understanding that um, the truth we have, the connection we have with God through his spirit, which is a creative force, uh, gives us an edge and we can be great. We can do great things, but it all has to be kingdom minded. So that's, that's, I guess what I would say in a nutshell of what apostolic success looks like. Um, I was just wondering like about the Bible. Do you have a favorite (laughs) book or concept in the Bible that you enjoy preaching from? Well, actually this is going to be a little, a little, portion of this because I can't say, how do you have one favorite book of the Bible? Um, especially if you're a minister, um, you know, a student of the word of God, I find the word of God inexhaustible and it's special in in different settings, different times of life, different parts of the Bible speak to me at different moments in my life. So I couldn't say I have one specific thing, but if you don't mind, I'll kind of dive into what I do have. Yes, absolutely. Um, there's a few things in the Old Testament. I love First and Second Kings. Mm-hmm. You know, at the at their center, these books are historical narratives. I love history, and I love storytelling. Uh, Judges is another one of those books that I love to read. But the main draw for me are the two prophets, and that is Elijah and Elisha. I cannot read enough about these two individuals. Their spirit, their faith, their determination, their fortitude, it just speaks to me in our present day. We're living, if you will, in an Ahab world, and uh, the church has to stand up and be starkly different and and come from a, a, a standpoint of faith and speak to doubt and unbelief and godlessness. And so those two speak to me. I love Isaiah. I love the language in Isaiah. Of course, the messianic prophecies like Isaiah 9, 6, um, they're just so beautiful. And so I find myself going back and and rereading Isaiah. Jeremiah is another one. Um, You know, we often call him the weeping prophet. But to me, that title, while, you know, it is fitting at times, I mean, he wrote a book called Lamentations. Mm -hmm. It's not really uh, a true representation of Jeremiah's ministry. The things that God asked Jeremiah to do and say are poignant reminders that God will go to extreme measures to speak and to save his beloved people. So I love the things that uh, are found in the book of Jeremiah, uh, the language of Jeremiah, the things God asks him to do. It's just, it's intriguing to me. Then I guess we can move to the New Testament. Uh, Out of the Gospels, John would be my favorite. Uh, John is such a different gospel than all the others. It's it's in uh, it's it's mysterious. Um, It's it's just so different. John's work is it's thematic rather than chronological. So instead of him telling a story in time, he highlights different aspects of Jesus's ministry. And it's all 
for a purpose. He shares these stories and omits others that the other synoptic gospel writers uh, share, all in an effort to prove the deity of Jesus Christ as the I am of the Old Testament. So I love the gospel of John. I find it intriguing. Um, and then the Pauline epistles. Uh, one thing I would say, a theme that that has become a part of, of my ministry as of late is studying the pneuma or the spirit of God and how it relates to man. And so that's that's found throughout uh, Paul's writings. Romans chapter seven, the struggle of the flesh against the spirit is as relevant today as it was to the Roman Christians in the first century. Uh, Romans chapter eight, the concept of the spirit helping humanity through prayer is it's revolutionary. It's the difference maker for Christians. Uh, Galatians chapter five, Paul's teachings on walking in the spirit uh, continue his emphasis on the spirit's assistance in our lives. And Ephesians chapter six uh, is uh, one of my favorites. It's all about the armor of God. But really, Ephesians, it's six chapters and it's filled with meat. I mean, you can learn about how to deal with your wife, if you're a husband, uh, children, how they should deal with their families and parents, unity in the body of Christ, and of course, armor of God. And then finally, I would say the book of James. I love the practicality of James. He's a pastor in Jerusalem, and he just teaches us how to live life. So I realize that's a really long answer no, okay. to a short question, <laughs> mm -hmm. but you know, that's that's kind of what I've thought when uh, thinking about favorite book or books of the Bible. At least that's where I am right now. It may change in a year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always curious to know how people like specifically pastors meditate on the word. Like, how do you find yourself reading the Bible? Is it like morning, evening, a chapter a day, a verse a day? Yeah, well, you know, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean... I'm not held to the same accountability and responsibility of, of a saint. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread in Matthew's gospel. And so I feel very strongly about receiving a daily bread. So I read the Bible through in the year. Mm -hmm. I've done that for the last number of years. Um, and it's, Sometimes it can be taxing because of other things I need to be reading in the Word of God to prepare for messages. But I've also found that uh, just in my daily time of reading, reflection, God speaks to me in a very special way. So what I say, and I started off first thing in the morning, usually when my alarm goes off, now that I'm a little older, I usually wake up before my alarm, but <laughs> I grab my phone and I open my Bible app, and that's the first place I start. And then... A lot of times I let it read to me and I read along with it because, you know, I'm an educator at heart and I understand that if you can process information through multiple gates or channels, you're going to retain it more. So I like to read it visually and I like to hear it uh, orally. So I'll do both of those at times. And then I come to prayer and usually, you know, something's grabbed me in my reading and I just I begin to pray and I think about that and I'll make notes or thoughts about that. You know, my dream is, and this is part of meditation is to one day, I'd love to go through the whole Bible, but I'm going to just start with one book 
but I'd love to just kind of write my own personal commentary on each verse, just what it means to me, how it speaks to me. And I think that's an important way of meditating. You know, we think of meditation in an Eastern religious paradigm, but meditation is, is not, you know, sitting in some reflexive position uh, in a room with, you know, water, the sound of trickling water. Yeah. But meditation is literally thinking and reflecting on the word of God uh, in a biblical sense. So it's, it's taking those moments. It's the sila of the Psalms. It's rereading, thinking through, allowing the word of God to speak to you. So that's, that's kind of how I feel about meditation in the word of God. Aside from the Bible, has there been any book that's majorly influenced your life? Well, there's a lot of books because mm-hmm. I, you know, I like to read. Um, I can think of quite a few, but I think in the last couple of years, Ryan Holiday's book, Ego is the Enemy, is one that has profoundly impacted me. Um, he, you know, Ryan is kind of a stoic philosopher, wannabe. Um, and, and so the book has a lot of, you know, um, philosophy, but it also, there's scripture in it as well. And it just, it was really profoundly impacting for me. So that's definitely one in the last couple of years. So I want to talk about the future of the church, because I know Calvary Academy is growing quite large. And just in general, I mean, the area is getting more popular. So the church is growing. What are your future plans for FPC? Like, where will FPC be a decade from now? Well, you know, the short answer is I don't know. (laughs) Uh, I'm not a long-term planner, because I believe that as Christians, we should walk by faith and not by sight. With that said, I still believe that we should be positioning ourselves for whatever the Lord has for our future. So with this in mind, I do work to implement systems and structures that the Lord can use. So um, one of those systems that we've incorporated is uh, a a huge back end to the church in a a data sense. Uh, And you know, uh, knowing who's here, who's not here, uh, diving deep into into what's happening on a daily basis or a weekly basis, uh, understanding that, processing that, seeing what we can do better. And I think those are some things just off the top of my head. But, you know, in 10 years, uh, You know, I'd love to see, I I guess I could say some personal dreams of mine would be to see the church develop and extend our campus across the freeway. You know, we own 163 acres um, to the south of us across Interstate 40. And I believe it's God's will for the church to to expand. And and I think it's going to be great. Also, there are some exciting things coming up uh, for the church before 10 years. But I'm not quite at liberty to say about talk about them yet, but uh, just stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to know, this is like my own personal question yeah. because I'm like so curious to know. I feel like some churches that I attend, there is a different level of expectancy between Sunday morning and Sunday night. 
every single time I have been here at 10.30 a.m., the party starts. Yeah. You know, Do you feel like that that's the same yeah. dynamic, or do you feel like there's a shift between the two services? Well, my dad, if there's anything he's ingrained in me, is every service should be just as important as the next or the or the preceding one. So, you know, Bible study midweek isn't going to be any less of a service mm -hmm. than Sunday morning. So with that said, I think we've tried and, you know, I'm sure we missed the mark some, but we really try to keep that level of expectancy high in all of our services. You know, that's why we'll bring the choir in on a midweek sometimes or, uh, you know, an unannounced guest will will preach uh, because we want to keep that element of expect expectancy and excitement there. You know, I would say, though, Sunday mornings maybe are a little more structured. Uh, you know, it's my desire to feed the flock of God. That's my number one responsibility as a pastor is to is is to feed the flock. So I really do my best on Sunday mornings to make sure, you know, I have something from the Lord that can be a blessing to the saints and to those that, you know, join in, guests that come and all. But in Sunday nights are maybe a little more free flow. Uh, you know, I want the Spirit of God to have its way in every service. But it seems that maybe the con congregation is just a little more geared to roll with it on Sunday nights. But, you know, that happens on Sunday mornings. It happened a few weeks ago, actually, and it happens on midweek. So I think you're right to assess it that way. I think all of our services, you know, they're a party and, and we want to have a great time when we come to church. Right. Yes. <laughs> what do you personally feel like is your biggest strength as a pastor? Well, the very first thing I could think of, I had the best pastor in the world, my dad as an example to follow. So my greatest strength is the example of my dad. Um, you know, in a lot of ways we're very similar and other ways we're quite different, but uh, his example, his love for people, his vision, uh, his unorthodox approach to church, life, business, um, it's been such a great example. And I think, you know, it would definitely have to be my greatest strength. It's just having his example. It's so funny because, like, if I could get, like, extra just plain, regular, real. Yeah. I've always said that your preaching style has been like a box of donuts. Like, if yeah. you have a dozen donuts yeah. and someone gives you a box, like, you're going to talk about faith and repentance and you're going to cover it all. But at the end, it's always just going to be like a box of donuts. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, 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 I, I, see <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I feel like you cover everything. I watch a lot on Tuesday yeah. nights as well because I don't have service on Tuesday nights. But after like a few services, I was like, okay, wait, what was the title? Because I feel like he's getting off. But then it always like comes back around to here's a dozen donuts. Like here's the bread of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like I said, I, at heart. My mother was an educator. I, I've always enjoyed education, teaching. And I think what I try to do with every message at some point in preparation is what am I trying to relate? Mm -hmm. What is God speaking to me? And what does he want them to receive? And, and you know, what are the main points? Mm -hmm. And sometimes, yeah, yeah, you can digress. Uh, 
I think as I get older, maybe that happens more often that you go to rabbit trails. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember, you know, listening to my dad as a kid thinking, this has nothing to do with what his message title was. But, you know, I think experience and, and you know, when you're in that role of pastor, you know what's going on. And God quickens things to your heart, you know, during the middle of a message. But at the end of the day, I want people to get something specific right. that I feel, you know, God has placed in my heart. I want to make sure that I clearly communicate it. Right. So I personally like my perception, I feel like of the Lord is more of like father daughter. Like I don't want to do anything to disappoint the father. I'm like a very respectful, like admiration towards yeah. him. Do you feel like with your background in education, it's more like teacher student or do you still feel like the like royal reverence or how do you view the Lord? Oh yeah. That's a good question. Well, of course I see the, you know, the father daughter, father son, but yeah, I, I think, you know, Paul instructed Timothy to study to show himself approved. Mm -hmm. So I, I do see the, the teacher student mm -hmm. paradigm as well. But yeah, I think both. Yeah, both it's are all right. encompassing, yeah. like, you know, higher power, lower. Power. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, I was just curious yeah. to know. Um, what is one of your like favorite praise or worship songs at the moment? Do you have anything that you have on repeat? Yeah, Goodness of God by C.C. Wyman's. Mm -hmm. I sing it nonstop. That's a good one. I love it. Are you into any of like the Maverick City? Type? Yeah, I do like Maverick City. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do. I, they may have actually done that first. I'm not, oh, I'm not exactly know. sure. It I think like Israel did. did it too. Did he? I don't know. Everybody's done it, but yeah. I mean, nobody does it like Cece. Yeah, I just love her version. <laughs> so good. So I want to end this with a couple of like fun questions. These are not ones that you have to like really, really think about. Um, okay. If a congregation member calls you and says, oh, I'm going to be at your house in 20 minutes. I'm bringing you some food. What is your dream meal that you would want to expect from someone? Uh, anything warm, saucy, mm -hmm. hearty. Like a pasta? Yeah, or soup or something like that, yeah. Okay. Gumbo, jambalaya, I don't know. And to drink? Uh, well, I vacillate between Coke Zero and Dr. Pepper Zero. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what about dessert? This is like all full out. What kind of dessert? Uh, creme brulee, I guess. Mm -hmm. Okay, hearty like so. You like the autumn type style foods? Yeah. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I know for sure. I would want the. Is it the ding dong cake from Two Sisters? <laughs> oh my goodness! It is delicious. That is a staple yeah. of this state, right? Now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. What about? Okay. So, if a uh, your guest ministering. The pastor comes up to you and says, I forgot my Bible. My iPad died. I need you to preach right now. It's 659, 59 seconds. Yeah. Do you have a foundational concept that you're preaching or how are you going to find your sermon? And I don't have a Bible or iPad? No, the, the, uh, the minister that was supposed to preach, everything was lost on him. And he's asking you to preach right now. I would probably preach the last thing I preached here. <laughs> This is all fresh, all yeah, familiar. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Most people have like a foundational concept that they're like, I'm preaching about faith or healing. No, or, you know? I wouldn't wing it. Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. I would, I, I would have my notes in Dropbox and I would quickly go to my notes. <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Now these are this or that questions. Okay. Like, I mean, very quickly. Okay. So are you an early bird or night owl? Night owl. Coffee or tea? Both. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Mm -hmm. How are you dressing them up? Oh, butter, maple syrup. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Maybe I, Nutella. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. Nutella. Fancy. Yeah. Strawberries. Nutella's good. Yeah. Uh, calling or texting? Texting. Mm -hmm. Flight or road trip? Flight. City or country? City. Hosting a party or attending a party? Hosting a party. Casual or dressy attire? Ca uh, no, dressy, yeah. Mm -hmm. Facebook or Twitter? Or you don't have either one. Do you, you have Twitter? I'm not on Twitter anymore. Oh. I have an account still. Mm -hmm. I do have a Facebook, but I'm not really on it either. Okay. Instagram. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. That's me too. I... Mm. I just like the pictures, the babies, the yeah. animals, but Facebook all the stresses me out. It does. Everybody it's... pontificates way too much. It's a lot. They're using it as like a social like trash can and I can't handle yeah, it. Me I just either. I miss the pictures. So I think that's why yeah, I actually that's so funny you say that because there was a guy that posted some stuff on Instagram stories and I, I had it typed in this in the in the little comment thing. Like, bro, go back to posting pictures of your kids. I'm tired of all the political stuff. Just show us pictures of your kids. So, yeah, it's true. Why do you think people are, do you think they just find it as an outlet? Or is it like, I can relate to you through this? Are you talking about Facebook? Po yes, just posting in general. Well, I think everybody wants to be heard. Mm -hmm. Is that the, you know, the root of it? And everyone feels like they have a platform. That's true. Yeah. That's, yeah. So, like, why not utilize it, I guess, is their theory. But I just don't. Mm -mm. What really, that's, it doesn't work like that in society, you know. Mm -hmm. Do you have any church pet peeves? As far, Like, for example, I cannot stand it when people, like, um, take a very long time to open their mints. Like, just the noise of it oh, all. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. Do you have anything like that that you've noticed that is just, like, irritating? Yeah. I don't like dead space. So like, you know, moving from one thing to the next, mm -hmm. somebody needs to be playing the keyboard or the right. organ or something. Mm -hmm. uh, transition yeah, wise. Yeah. Oh, I like, okay. I like smooth transitions. Mm -hmm. so. Oh, that's good. I'm okay. I wasn't that bad. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I didn't know what, what it could be. I just didn't mm -hmm. know. Um, do you have anyone that you admire? in our movement right now? Like anyone that's like at the forefront of your brain as like far as a great example? Oh my, well, there's so many incredible people. Uh, I admire Nathaniel Urshan for his uh, understanding of, of who Jesus is, and how he finds him in every part of scripture. Uh, I admire Matthew Tuttle for his zeal and fervor. Uh, I could go on and on. Okay. And on. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of great people. Right. I, I understand. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all I have for you today. That wasn't so bad. No, it's not too bad. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I appreciate it. Was it was my honor. That's all for this episode of Almost Apostolic. 
If you enjoyed yourself, please do us a favor and leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And until then, thank you for listening.